Welcome to the Confidently You podcast. I invite you to join me, Amber, your host on a journey of coming home to your confident self. I'm so fulfilled with helping you transform your life by exploring your true potential and embodying the highest expression of your unique energy. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to own the magic of your individuality, master your mind and energy, and manifest the life you once thought was impossible. I'm here to tell you that confidence is not something that you earn, rather something you can unlearn. Unlearn the bullshit stories that play on repeat that stop you from living life on your terms and taking action with confidence. So if you love human design, manifestation, and shit that blows your mind, then you are exactly where you are meant to be. I already know we're going to evolve to a whole other level together. So without further ado, let's take the next step on your journey of becoming confidently you. Hello, Confident Soul. Welcome back to another episode of the Confidently You podcast. My name is Amber, and I am your host on your confidence building journey. And today I have a very special guest on the podcast for you. Her name is Poonam Bukar, and she is this extraordinary woman that I had um, on for an interview. She, after surviving sexual assault, multiple suicide attempts, and an abusive arranged marriage, she went on to build the life of her dreams. After leaving the pain of her past behind, she today is a successful lawyer with a wonderful family and support system. Her life is calling, her life calling is now to aid others with the SAFE method, a step-by-step system for transcending the darkness of pain. And she has a brand new book published called SAFE from the Pain. And she speaks about her SAFE method, which is about the four steps to understanding pain and working through difficult emotions and regaining control over your life. Um, It's also about embracing all of it. So finding true and lasting happiness and why it's so important to embrace both the good and bad of your journey. And lastly, about protecting our kids. So ways to raise our children to become emotionally secure and how to start the conversation before self-worth issues take over. So Poonam and I have this great conversation about, um, you know, building confidence through emotional wellness, feeling safe, um, feeling safe in emotional wellness and about regulating your emotions and how emotions play a role in your manifesting process and how being able to feel confident in your emotional wellness is such a critical ingredient if you want to manifest what you've never manifested before. So I am really excited to um, introduce you to Poonam. Um, She was such a joy to have on the show and um, I'm excited for you to get to know her. So without further ado, please welcome Poonam to the Confidently You podcast. Hello, Poonam, and welcome to the Confidently You podcast. I am so excited to have you on today speaking about your book, Safe from Pain. And as I ask all of my guests to open up on the podcast, if you could please share with us what makes you feel most confident? Being comfortable in my own skin Mm. and knowing who I am. Yes. And by the way, thank you for having me on and for this opportunity. 
Absolutely. I'm honored to have you here. Uh, thank you for sharing what makes you feel confident. If you could share with us maybe what that journey looked like for you. I know that you talk about it in your book, but if you could share with us like your journey um, in terms of emotional wellness, um, share with us your journey about becoming your confident self. Sure, Amber. I mean, it took me, I would say, close to the end of four decades to become com comfortable within myself. But the journey started as a teen in which um, I was sexually assaulted. And the shame of that, and it was in a very public forum in high school. So the shame of that and, and the way it made me feel, um, the loss of dignity, people saying different things happened. They said I was raped when I wasn't. And it, it was just everywhere I'd walk through the school, I was constantly hearing the snickering or something or another. And you live in that environment for weeks on end, it takes a toll on you, which ultimately leading, led me to trying to commit suicide. And I did some very minor therapy. Therapy wasn't that big in the 80s and especially not in the UK where I grew up. Um, and then I just led this normal life. And I came from, you know, in immigrant parents who were extremely loving and supportive, but you only know what you know. They were providing for us and doing everything they could, dealing with the challenges they were of being immigrants in a different country and trying to make a living in order to provide for their three children. And they did provide an extremely loving and supportive environment. But at that time, I don't think, you know, mental well-being or mental health was the focus. And, you know, whether you look at women at that time, and even now, if we're too emotional, we're too dramatic. And if guys, if men are too emotional, there's something wrong with them. They're not men, right? And these kinds of labels create um, us to create to suppress how we feel. And what that ends up doing is it leads, it cripples us. It leads to insecurities, fear, sadness, um, anger, and sometimes a combination of these things. So after the sexual assault and trying to commit suicide, I went on to um, an all girls school. And from there, I decided that I wanted to be a lawyer. However, at the age of 21, without anyone holding a gun to my head, I decided to have a, an arranged marriage and move all the way to the United States. But thank God, I said I still wanted to be a lawyer and went to law school. But I remember when I was 19 or 20, when I'd agreed to this marriage that a really close friend of mine had said, what are you running away from? And I remember getting really annoyed and saying, why can't you just be happy for me? I'm not running away from anything. And I will tell you at the, you know, about 10 years ago, his words rang so true to me that I didn't see it at the time, but I was running away from the emotional baggage, right? And how many times do we hear people say, I just want to get out of here. I just want to move or I just want to do this. But what we don't, re and I did it very unknowingly and unintentionally, right? Subconsciously, it was coming out in different ways. And because 
I felt not worthy. And because I felt a lack of self-love, I was making decisions that weren't correct for me. I would be like, oh, you know, well, I'm not, I know this marriage isn't right for me. I know this person isn't right for me, but it's okay. What else am I going to get? At least somebody will have me. That's not a way to think about yourself. And it's not a way to enter any form of relationship, right? And that leads to self-loathing. It feels like you deserve certain things and you perpetuate that whole cycle of continuing that way. And I would say until I was 38, and I'm now 48, but until I was 38, I was continuously talking that negative talk in my head and all the decisions I were making were just incorrect for me. I went from, you know, making a wrong decision in my marriage, from getting married to the wrong person. I'm, I kept putting up with stuff in my marriage that I shouldn't have because I didn't feel worthy of leaving. Um, I remarried and made an incorrect decision a second time because of society pressure. I suffered huge financial loss. I suffered health because ultimately your emotional or your lack of emotional well-being takes a toll on your health and manifests physically. So I had strokes and I was in and out of the hospital constantly. Um, so it's been a journey. And I think, you know, back in um, about 12 years ago, when I was actually paralyzed and physically brought to my knees in 2011, I remember just saying to myself, this is not the way I'm supposed to be leading life. There's got to be more to life than this. And that led me onto this brand new path of life. Mm, thank you so much for sharing and opening up to us about that. I think that a lot of people, but women especially can really resonate with, with that story a lot. And I, I want to bring attention to this idea about making decisions when you are living life through the lens of self-sabotaging belief systems. When you have these belief systems that are telling you that you're not worthy, that you're not enough, et cetera, you that your decisions in life are all going to be on this domino effect from the thought that you had and how it translates into a belief that then translates into an action. And so you're never really reaching your potential or living as your confident mm -hmm. self. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm hmm. So it sounds like for a long time there, you were really disconnected from wh what I would call it as being disconnected from your authenticity, because all of those stories that are playing on in your mind and reducing your confidence. A hundred percent. And I, I would agree with you. Absolutely. If you don't know who you really are, how can you know what you want? And part of who you really are is working through any kind. It doesn't have to be something traumatic, any kind of emotional pain. And we all have it, whether we're male, female, young adults, teenagers, we all carry it in some shape or form. And if we don't learn how to process it or become more, of the, more aware of the fact that we're carrying it, I don't think we can truly know who we are or what we want. And the the 
one thing that really stuck out for me when I went through this journey is especially as women, right? We're taught to always serve others, mm. always please others, right? And this concept of doing anything for ourselves is considered very selfish. But the truth of the matter is, if you're not emotionally and physically well, then how can you cater to anybody else? How can you cater to any other relationship? And until you're fulfilled within yourself, you're never ever going to be 100% comfortable in yourself and know what you really want and what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And even then, when we do get to a place where we we do feel like we want to serve, our potential to serve is limited when we don't take care of ourselves. The more that we do take care of ourselves, I call it enlightened selfishness. So when we do have that enlightened selfishness, we acknowledge like, I can't serve when I'm coming from this, from this place. And the more that I give to myself, the more that I can serve to those around me, especially, you know, mothers, I'm a mother, you're a mother, you know, being able to acknowledge, like, I need my alone time in the morning so that I can be ready to serve my son. I have a responsibility as a mom to care for him. But if I don't take care of myself, I'm going to be quicker to anger. I'm going to be more irritable. I'm going to lose my cool quicker. I'm not going to be able to emotionally regulate myself as well if I haven't cared for myself. A hundred percent. And I also think as women, you know, what we consider helping other people when we don't love ourselves or we don't take care of our own well-being sometimes we serve other people too much to our own detriment because we don't have boundaries mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that comes from wanting to please other people versus without judgment without feeling that we're selfish for creating a boundary I know that's something I struggled with for a long time mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, somewhat, uh, I'm not certain of the dates, but I want to say it's in the last 10 years or so, only recently scientists have started exploring um, uh, women as, like the uh, women as, you know, a different part of scientific research and noticing that women have different responses to stress stimuli than men do. So women have this tend and befriend uh, stress response in addition to like fight and flight and or freeze type of responses. And that's that people pleasing that you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we start regulating this, um, you know, from your perspective, using your methods, how do we start cultivating that emotional awareness and that um, regu- uh, having some sort of a regulation so that we can start thriving in our emotional wellness? So, Amber, you know, I describe my book as a movie, right? Some people will watch a movie and love it and other people will watch it and hate it. It's really what resonates with you. And one of the hardest things I found about going to therapy, for instance, was you have an hour session. It would take me 20 minutes to warm up. And then by the time I vented everything I needed to, it was over. And what was, I'd have to wait another 10 days or two weeks. But when I walked out, 
I felt like I was still stuck in a particular place. I didn't know what the process of life was and how to move forward. And then when I started reading self-help books, there was a lot of this go within. What does that mean? And I kid you not, I literally sat in my bed and I'm on my bed and I'm like, okay, I'm going within. What does that mean? And I just couldn't get there. It was because partly because I refused to recognize um, that I was in pain. And sometimes we don't always recognize we're in pain. We may feel that something's a little off and we'll shove it back down, but we don't deal with it. And it's only when I look back on my journey in the last 12 years, did I come up with this acronym SAFE. Um, being emotionally safe and safe from the pain. So the S is, the first step is to stop and accept that you're in pain. And how do you do that? Well, if you're true to yourself, a lot of the times, if there's triggers that you're constantly seeing, or if you're constantly angry, or you're constantly crying, or you know something inside of you doesn't feel right, it's time to sit down and look up truly just between yourself and if you believe in a God, your God or whoever the outside universe is or just yourself and your feelings, why am I feeling this way? It can be something major. It can be something as small as a girlfriend pissing you off. It can be anything. But what is it about this that I am in pain? Just stop and accept it. The A stands for accept responsibility for where you are. Now, that doesn't mean you're to blame for what's happened. I, I have this thing called the self-righteous victim where I played it. I'm allowed to behave this way. I'm allowed to be angry. Well, of course, my life is shit because so-and-so did this to me and so-and-so did that to me. And I'm justified for being the way that I am. What does that do? It victimizes you and it leaves you feeling unempowered. You feel like you've given your control to everybody else. When you say accept responsibility for where you are, it's okay. I perceive that somebody did this to me and I am part to blame because I didn't stop something or I continued something because of the decisions that I was making. And sometimes there is nothing, right? It's just, I have to accept where I am today. Sometimes there's no decision, no one to blame. Something has happened in your life and you just have to accept that this is where I am today. And with that acceptance comes empowerment. When you accept and stop fighting, then you can only clearly think about what you need to do next. And the F in safe, I talk about three different types of forgiveness. The first forgiveness is forgiveness of the other person that you perceive has hurt you. A lot of times I think, you know, it's not something that happens overnight, but I think a lot of times when you can empathize with where that person is coming from, it doesn't mean I agree with that. For instance, and I'm a firm believer of this, right? When there's school bullying going on, the person, the child that's being victimized is hurt. 
But the bully is also her in a different way. Perhaps there's something going on at home. Perhaps they can't express and they're taking it out on someone else. And by no means am I saying that that behavior is acceptable, but I am saying by empathizing and understanding where somebody comes from is the only way to A, move forward and forgive and to even come up with a solution as to what to do. The second type of forgiveness I talk about is forgiveness of the universe. I'm sure we all have it. Well, I got dealt a shitty set of cards. Why does so-and-so have this? And why does so-and-so have that? The constant comparison. And as human beings, if you step back and think to yourself, why, do, why would I wish that anything bad that happened to me happened to anybody else? That's a very selfish place to come from and it's not a very human place to come from that you would wish this so the day you start accepting that I got dealt these set of cards because I'm I can handle it is where again you empower yourself and the third type of forgiveness um, which is one of the hardest that I found is forgiveness of yourself love yourself go easy on yourself and forgive yourself for the poor decisions that you've made um, that may have affected your kids or may have affected other people in your relationship, just learn to forgive yourself. And when you go through those steps, I find it extremely liberating because you're not holding on to the past. And I often say to people that I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching in that it's up to you to decide. Are you going to let your past hold you captive, even though the people that you think have hurt you have moved on, done whatever they've done? And are you going to ruin the next 30, 40 years of your life because you want to stay stuck in that place? Or do you want to process it, forgive and move on? Um, and when you get that kind of liberation, the fourth um, letter, which is the E, is embrace who you are and embrace your entire self. So we're all great at accepting the good things about ourselves, but accept your flaws, accept your mistakes because everybody's journey is different. And I wouldn't change a damn thing about my journey because it has made me who I am today. It's made me in each and every mistake that I feel that I've made. I have learned so much about myself and so much about life. And once we start to embrace ourselves, I truly believe, as I've seen with my own life, I truly believe then you can really know who you are, what you want, and start to manifest the life that you've envisioned for yourself. But you can't do that if you're living in the shadow of your emotional pain the whole time. Yes, yes. So much like so many golden nuggets and everything that you just said there. Um, so the first thing I want to reply with is, you know, you talked a lot about self-acceptance or acceptance as in general of the things that happen for you in life, as I prefer to say. Um, and self-acceptance is really built upon that coming back to that love that love for yourself, being willing to look at life and accept like, hey, maybe this wasn't the greatest thing that happened, but somehow this served me in such a way. Where, where is 
find, where can you find the purpose in the things that happened to you? So, you know, you experiencing that sexual assault when you were younger, now being able to look back on that in your life and share a message, um, you know, yours being safe with, with the world. And you can find tremendous purpose in that unfortunate instance that happened to you in this life. And forgiveness is by far my favorite tool to use in in my coaching practice as well is because forgiveness is the energy of transformation. When you're willing to forgive something, you release the, the energy siphon that something has on you, an instance, a person, you know, whatever happens to you, forgiveness has been truly that transformational experience for me where I've literally felt a weight be lifted off of my chest after a forgiveness ritual. Mm -hmm. Don't you feel that once you've forgiven, it doesn't bother you anymore. You don't brood over it and you're not affected by it anymore. It becomes, uh, it becomes something in which you can speak about your past pain in a matter of fact sort of way. It's like, oh yeah, I was sexually violated when I was a child. Yeah. Like I I'm okay with that. I can talk about that with people and I can, I can say it on a podcast. I can, I can preach it to the world. Like, Hey, this happened to me when I was a child and yeah, it sucked. It really weighed me down for a long time in my life, but I know that I'm not alone. And the more that I speak out about it, the more I hear me too from other people. And it's about how, Yeah. And it's about cultivating that confidence and your entire safe method to me is like, it screams like, this is how you become confident, you know, in these ways upon that um, self-acceptance, the taking responsibility, you know, all of these steps that you have, that is how you do step into that confident version of yourself. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. It's, a lot of people have commented on how free-spirited I am. I'm not tied to anything. I'm very much live and let live. Um, and you, in that confidence, you become content and fulfilled. You don't need a bunch of people around you to be fulfilled. I don't need to be out partying the way I used to in my 20s and 30s. I don't feel the need for that anymore because I'm very content within myself. Mm-hmm. And you have that strong sense of self. You're concrete in your identity. You know who you are. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've overcome. And this is what I've manifested on the other side of that. You mentioned um, how you can start manifesting your life once you're willing to go through this safe method, really. And I see emotional wellness being a massive aspect of how we manifest things. Because when we manifest, we're, manifestation is not a singular thing. Like, so for example, people want financial freedom as, as one thing that a lot of people talk about. So financial freedom is not just about having money in your bank account, like the, the 3D physical representation of that manifestation. There's also the emotion that comes with that. So what emotions come with financial freedom? Well, of course, the feeling of freedom, that feeling of liberation, independence, purpose, satisfaction, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, it's a two-part thing that you're manifesting. And when you don't consider your emotions as part of that, you're going to have 
um, inconsistent manifestations or they're going to be like half results. You're not, you're not going to quite get everywhere, everything that you want because you haven't considered the emotions that are, you have to feel in order to get that manifestation. Yeah. I almost think it's like, you have to go back to being, you have to have a clean slate again, Mm -hmm. right? You have to empty out your insides, literally of all your emotions, start to what I call honeymoon with yourself and know (laughs) who you are. I mean, we do it with everyone else. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, honeymoon with yourself, know who you really are, get to know who you are. And then you know what you want. And, you know, the, I a hundred percent agree the emotions behind the manifestation. Like when I think of financial freedom, the emotion that goes with it for me is not having to rush a cup of coffee down my throat, but just get up in the morning <laughs> and walk around the garden and be able to drink my coffee without, you know, rushing out the door or doing these various things. But it's, yeah, it's definitely the emotions behind it. Mm. Until you feel it, you can't manifest it. Yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, if you are, not if you're not regulating your emotions if you are stuck in anger frustration bitterness resentment that is what you're going to manifest and but the thing is like you said you have to be willing to take responsibility for yourself take responsibility for the things that have happened for you in life and find a way to find the purpose in them so that you can process the resentment and the anger that is associated with those things that are weighing you down in life that you're holding on to that energy. Yeah, that are weighing you down. And if I could just bring something else up where we talk about emotions, while it helps us to manifest, our emotions are also our intuition, right? Our gut. And that when you become more aligned with with yourself, you also know what the path is for you going forward. And you also know when something's a little off, whether it's in somebody you meet or a decision that you're making. If you sit with yourself and you're comfortable, that intuition can forge a path going forward without us even realizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this idea, again, coming back to living your life through the, the lens of your self-sabotaging belief systems, you mentioned how like making decisions through places of fear, well, that's not following your intuition. And in fact, right. when you don't process fear, you disconnect yourself from your intuition. So when you give yourself permission to process that fear, so that looks like voicing that fear, um, doing maybe that's a physical movement, whatever that looks like for you to release that fear, you are keeping your inner magnet clean and you're, you're giving, and that is what is going to keep you connected to that intuition. And, you know, silencing the ego saying, Hey, ego, I see you. It's okay. You know, we're going to be fine. Um, but I'm going to listen to my higher self. I'm going to go on the path that my intuition is guiding me. And because I process that fear, I'm not going to make the decision through the lens of that fear and move on to the, the path that's meant for me, that my intuition is guiding me on. A hundred percent. The interesting thing is I always thought that it just had an impact on my personal life, but in my 
business because I run a law firm, I've used it there that where typically my fear may take over and I may do things in fear of perhaps upsetting a client or I won't stand aground. But now it's fully my intuition, whether whether on paper or logically it makes sense, I don't care. It's what's inside of me that is correct. And I don't need that. It's, it's a very strange thing for me, right? Because as a lawyer, you always look for evidence mm-hmm. and you always look for facts to back up your case. But when you go by intuition, there are no facts. It's just what you feel. Mm-hmm. And I've really seen a shift in the last 10 years of me using that in my business in that everything just goes based on gut. It's not logic. I mean, there is some logic to it, but it's like a lot of it is just gut on how I feel at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting to me because if I, I I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but of course I, I watch a lot of crime TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, um, and to me, like, yes, there's a logical sort of linear process in terms of when it comes to, um, you know, following the law, going to trial, etc. That's a very like logical type of process. But I would argue as being that lawyer, when you accept a client, even though there might be evidence showing you something, I would argue that it's your intuition that guides you of whether or not this is the client that you're going to be working with. Would you right. say that that's true for you? I think that's true. I think yeah. that's true. A hundred percent. And even, even if it's not a client that you want to work with, that sixth sense becomes so much stronger where you're, able to see through the BS a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, because um, as we mentioned before we started recording, I have read the first few chapters of your book. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that um, you talk about finding your voice. And that's something that I love talking about is finding <laughs> your voice. And I'm curious, so becoming a lawyer, how did that lead you to finding your voice? Or that whole journey. Yeah, honestly, Amber, I don't think it clicked in me until I was writing this book. Mm. Okay, that that's why I wanted to be a lawyer. So I had always thought that I wanted to be a lawyer because I grew up with my parents and we watched a lot of Perry Mason movies, right? And I love crime. I loved everything. And then I did a law undergrad in London and then I moved to the US and I finished off law school here. And I didn't end up doing criminal law because it wasn't conducive to me having two kids and the hours and things like that. But I've always been fighting for the underdog in some shape or form. And I could, when I look back, it was probably from the beginning of 13 years whether it's a charity, whether it's, you know, anything in which somebody feels victimized, I've always wanted to help them. And even when I look at when I first started practicing as a lawyer, I was 
bold for my clients because I do I do corporate immigration, but even with family law that I was doing, I was very bold for my clients. Like I would fight for them passionately to to get them what they needed, and you know sometimes successfully, sometimes you lose, whichever way. But over a period of time, there's this concept that sometimes we may overcompensate in the workplace because we're not aggressive or we're not that way in the house, in our personal life, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost a deflection for me when I look back that when I helped people at that time, I did a lot of pro bono work too. When you help people at that time, you're deflecting how you feel and you're projecting how you're thinking of how they're feeling, which means that I don't have to look at myself. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it's, I'm almost healing myself by making someone else feel better. And by speaking out on behalf of somebody else, I'm giving that person a voice. And I feel that through them, I am having a voice. And I think it just, as I was writing this book, I'm like, no, me being a lawyer was because I felt my voice had to be suppressed, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't discuss our emotions. We don't discuss how we're truly feeling um, culturally as well. And because of those things, I was really searching for a voice. And this is the way I found it. I guess some people find it through music, right? Mm-hmm. Some people find it through art. For me, it was this. Yeah. Yeah. I also, if I may, I I see the connection here between that feeling of silence coming back and being a parallel with your traumatic event that occurred to you when you were a teenager, you know, it didn't, it wasn't handled in the optimal way or the, 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 in the best way that it could have been handled that, that, that grace wasn't offered to you. And that feeling of being silenced of not people not taking um, the issue seriously or serious enough, that feeling of being silenced. And because there was a sexual aspect um, or, or sexual relevance to it in women in particular, our womb space is connected to our throat, the way that we express ourselves. And when we have trauma occur to us, even if it wasn't physical, even just you know energetic or verbal abuse sexually towards women has an effect on the power of our voices. And so when we have that unhealed trauma, especially sexual trauma, that manifests as uh, that feeling of being silenced and that feeling of not being able to advocate for yourself, not being able to set boundaries, stuff like that. And I wonder if you, does that feel like truth to you when I say oh that? Oh my God, it resonates. I'll tell you, this is a true story. So um, there is no history of asthma in my family, none. And after my divorce or prior, just the year prior to my divorce in 2008, I had what they called stress-induced asthma. Mm. And I would literally be talking to you like this now. And within half an hour, something would happen where my throat would close and my breathing would get really bad. And it wasn't a panic attack. My oxygen level would drop and I would be in the hospital. This happened consistently for about two and a half years. And then when I went on this, when I was on this so-called journey, I got very heavily involved in pranic healing and reading about Reiki and things like that. So I went to this Reiki healer 
who, and a lot of the times things were stuck in my throat. It felt that way, mm -hmm. right? I went for a couple of Reiki sessions and I never forget this. I think it was third or fourth Reiki session that I was at. And I don't know what she did, but it literally unlocked my throat and I was just coughing and coughing. And she got me some green tea and she's like, you're going to be like this for a couple of days, but you'll be fine. And she said, you've got a lot of, a lot of stuff in your throat. And she didn't know anything about my history. She didn't know anything. She goes, you've got a lot of stuff stuck in your throat. And Amber, it is a true story to this day. Knock on wood. I have not had an asthma attack because I worked through the process of dealing with that pain mm -hmm. because I was in the process at that time that she was doing it of processing the pain. It took me years to work through different aspects of the pain that I was dealing with, whether it was as a teenager or it was as, um, as a wife being married, all the rest of it, um, financial loss. It, it's a lot of pressure to be dealing with, with two young kids. And because I worked through it, I have the opposite effect now, as my friends very rightly say, she has no filter anymore. <laughs> Whatever I say comes out, but I'm okay with that. And they are too, because they know me. It's not meant, anything is not meant with malintent. It's just how I feel. Yes, yes, that is so empowering. And I think that this is, well, some of it is not by accident. Women being suppressed in society, our voices being silenced. And think of like the millennia of sexual trauma that has happened to women that has kept them disconnected from their personal power. And it's so liberating to hear about women finding that power within themselves like yourself. So, mm, so much juicy goodness. <laughs> Um, well, anything, any other fine nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to share before we conclude our time together today? I think Amber, for me, it's just be kind to yourself, get to know yourself and don't be afraid. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And if you are hurting, take the time to figure it out whether that's through therapy, whether it's that going, whether that's through the safe method, whether that's speaking to somebody, take the time to deal with it now. It's you, it doesn't disappear. It mm -hmm. comes back and it comes back 10 times worse and takes a lot longer to deal with. And it does have not dealing with it has an impact on everybody else's life around you. And I think one of the things that I feel very strongly about is that if we as individuals dealt with our emotional pain, I think collective, collectively we would have a much better society, a much more empathetic society. And I don't think we'd be passing on generational pain the way mm. we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And thank you so much for having me on. It really has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Absolutely. It's been a joy having you on. I'd also like to offer you some space to share with us. How can we connect with you? Where can we find your book? Of course, we have some links in the show notes, but anything that you'd like to share in regards to that, please. 
Sure. If you didn't get tired of hearing my voice, I did the <laughs> Audible on Amazon. Um, you can also buy the book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. If you want to find out more information, you can go to my website at www.emotionallysafe.com. I have a Facebook page as well. And I will be starting workshops, hopefully in June. Mm. So I'm looking Wonderful. forward to that. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your perspective about this. I've been having a few more women come onto my show lately. So it's been very exciting to hear lots of different stories and perspectives and hoping to hoping to hear from people that me too, right? Making other people feel safe and sharing their stories because we all have one, right? Yeah, Amber, I couldn't agree with you more. Your whole concept of sharing the stories and making it more making yourselves more confident by realizing that it's me too, not just I alone um, is absolutely on point. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and listeners. I will connect with you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I am truly honored that you have entrusted me to fill your cup with all the good stuff. If this episode blew your mind, please show me some love by downloading and subscribing, a small, simple action that helps me share my mission with more people. Did you have any major breakthroughs? I want to hear about them. By screenshotting this episode and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow me on Instagram at confidently.amber for daily confidence building tips and updates about my workshops, programs, and freebies. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude, and I look forward to connecting in the next episode. Mwah.